I view this as you've got to be intentional and programmatic about it because you're going to need, uh, you know, as a leader kind of pushing through the program, you're going to need to be able to adapt and adjust to all of those kind of obstacles along the way. So make the employees a part of it. Get get yourself some some thought around how you can turn that into something that's actionable, not just aspirational. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to this very special episode of Status Go. This is your host, Jeff Tund. This episode is notable for a number of reasons. First, we're going to be talking about digital transformation. And if you've been following us since our launch over 160 episodes ago, you know we started Status Go to help combat some of the misinformation that was floating around about digital transformation. We wanted to create a platform for you that you could trust and one that gave you actionable steps to help you on your journey. What makes this episode even more special is we have an exclusive interview with two Institute for Digital Transformation Fellows. The Institute, if you're not familiar, was created in 1997 to help develop the next generation of transformational digital leaders, those who could transform our organizations for this digital era that we're living in. Kind of sounds a bit like Status Go's mission, doesn't it? The Institute has just published the Digital Transformation Manifesto. It's designed to cut through the noise and create a commonly accepted understanding of the meaning of digital transformation. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get to it. I'd love to welcome Jessica Carroll and Ray Sheen to the show. Jessica is the president of JCX Strategies and Ray is the president of Product and Process Innovation. As I mentioned, both are fellows of the Institute. Jessica and Ray, welcome to Status Go. Jeff, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Jeff. Good to see you again. Yeah, great to see you, Ray. It seems like we just did this a couple episodes ago. That's great. That's That's right. Uh, Before we talk about the manifesto, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself a bit to our audience so they know who they're listening to. Jessica, since this is your first time on Status Go, let's start with you. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, You know, I've been an IT exec for most of my career on the practitioner side of the house and uh, really love technology um, from the standpoint of how it helps solve problems. And I would say to, to you and to the audience, you know, my focus has always been the customer. So even before it was really fashionable, um, and so um, that's always been sort of where I've I've kind of targeted you know my actions and moves. And um, after uh, spending all of that time in IT, I kind of uh, went to the dark side and, and worked for a vendor um, on the customer success side. I know it's 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 kind of funny to think about it that way, but have a pretty good. Um, 360 degree view of the customer, both from the standpoint of delivering to them and and being one. So um, it's you know been been a quite a journey, and I'm I'm hoping we have some good things to chat about here, sort of relative to that. I, I'm sure we do, and I I had to laugh when you talked about going to the dark side. That's the way I describe it when I left practitioner <laughs> and joined a, a tech company. So 
great, great joke on that. I love, I love that one. So Ray, as I mentioned, you were on status go just a couple of episodes ago uh, to our listeners. If you, if you remember, we had a great conversation about trains and transformation. Uh, you'll have to listen to the episode to understand why. Now, Ray, I want to put you on the spot since you just shared your background a couple of episodes ago. What is something about your background you didn't share the last time? Well, let's see, Jeff. Um, I think I may have mentioned that I was an engineer, but uh, at least from from the training standpoint. But I don't know if I went much into my engineering background. Um, I, my master's work was uh, doing um, uh, de- developing. Uh, space structures, and then uh, I worked for the Air Force for quite a while on uh, delivery systems, meaning rockets. So uh, I really am a rocket scientist. <laughs> now, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to do digital transformation, but if, if that helps, I'll be happy to help somebody with it along the way. Yeah, it can't hurt, right? I mean, that's uh, right. Yeah, we, all, we always joke about the rocket scientists. That's, that's awesome. I don't know if I ever really knew a rocket scientist before. Uh, that's terrific. If you're listening, you're probably familiar with the Agile Manifesto or or maybe even the ITIL Manifesto. I'd like to ask the two of you, why a digital transformation manifesto and why now? Oh, and while you're on it, what why is it important to our listeners to, to have one of these? So whoever wants to go first. Well, I'll take it and then Ray can put some color behind it uh, for me. I, I think that um, we both share this belief that you know, we see so many organizations doing digital transformation initiatives, but we also see such confusion around what that means really and how do you go about executing on that. And I think, you know, ask 10 different people, you'll get 10 different definitions and, um, you know, it's, it's just tricky. So I think really the goal behind all of this was, can we put some clarity around what digital transformation really means to an organization from the standpoint of how would you know um, and how would you plan to be successful in it? And uh, that's really what this manifesto is, is there to do, to provide those guardrails. Yeah, I would agree. Clarity is, is a key thing that we're trying to deal with. Uh, there's all kinds of hype and noise where digital transformation is concerned and lots of other terms being used, sustainability and IoT and Industry 4.0 and uh, all those. But what we uh, did with the manifesto is we wanted to emphasize uh, what does it take to really get the transformation. What was missing in a lot of those was the the transformation part. Lots about digital, but not a lot about transformation. And yet it's transformation, which is where the real power is. So we wanted to focus in on what were those tenants, what were those parts that were gonna be critical for your digital transformation initiative to truly be relevant, to stay relevant, and to deliver on the results that uh, you're seeking and why you started the thing. You know, and, and I think digital transformation is very similar to some of the other uh, uh, technology terms that go through those hype cycles, right? We, you know, now it seems like everything has AI embedded in it. And it's like, well, no, not really. It's just algorithms, right? <laughs> but you, you call it AI. And so I think it's important uh, for our listeners, and, and we'll dive into this as we talk more about the manifesto, that we're firm believers that this is really not about technology. Uh, the Institute of Digital Transformation, uh, it's, it's more about that mindset that, and business transformation. Uh, Jessica, I know you led the committee 
that uh, created this manifesto. Uh, tell us who was involved and what was the process like working with experts from around the globe, really? Oh, I'm happy to, to talk about that because I think it's one of the uniqueness, unique things about um, the Institute. You know, the fellows, we are, we are from all over the globe and um, we all come at this from slightly different perspectives. So the, the group that came together, there were four of us in the initial group and uh, we, you know, we really all brought something different to the table and I think it was great layers so obviously Ray and I are here in the United States, but we also had John Thorpe, who is in Canada, and we have um, Hans Gillier, who is in Sweden. So it's important, I think, to have those voices because this isn't about one specific uh, way of thinking. So in the U.S., you know, we often have our own sort of way of thinking. Europe has its own sort of flavor, et cetera, et cetera. So it was helpful to have varied people in the group. and. Um, you know, we met over you know many many sessions. Um, there was a lot of creative writing going in there, a lot of debate around the the language and what was important and what the tenants really should be. And I think that shouldn't be a surprise to the listeners because as we sort of started off, digital transformation is confusing and unclear. So we were a microcosm of that, just in sort of trying to kind of weed through how do we turn this into something that's kind of broad enough and yet um, clear enough to be helpful to, to the industry. And, and did you, through the process, come to a consensus on these tenants or was it uh, at some point you just had to make the call and say, this is what we're going to do? I mean, how, how did that, the decision process work? Uh, you know, Ray, can, I'd love for you to give your perspective as sort of the, one of the team members. I would say that we we um, agreed in in um, principle on on them. Um, I don't think that was the difficult part. I think it was just really getting clarity around the language to describe it, and that was a lot trickier because words. I mean, this is going to sound so obvious. Words have meaning, do they not? Yeah, and, yeah. and and the flavor of that meaning is different to each of us as listeners. So we all had to be very careful with the words we chose. So, Ray, I, I, let me turn this to you because you've got a, another angle, I'm, I'm sure. Sure. Um, uh, well, first off, I'd agree with what you said. The, we quickly agreed on the basic principles, but it was that the wordsmithing, so to speak, and, and in doing that, in some cases, we actually we expanded up to 10 tenets, and then we were down to the, just seven and went back and forth a little bit as some of the ideas were, were fleshing out. And <clears throat> I do want to commend you, uh, Jessica. There were uh, four very strong personalities, all of whom were uh, convinced that they knew the right way to do it. And, uh, and the others were, um, they, they were okay, but they weren't, you know, the, we each had our own right way of handling it. And you did a great job of of working the personalities, uh, and including your own, uh, of uh, becoming, um, uh, making sure that your voice was was very much a, a part of it. Uh, but you did a great job of working with us on that, and and I think uh, all of us could uh, could readily agree with what the final product was. In fact, I think we saw that on the, the um, uh, live stream that we just recently did. But you guys are still all talking to me, so that's okay. That's a good sign, right? <laughs> that's right. And that's talking good, to each that's other. A good test. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know that the, the Institute is getting ready to publish a book later this fall uh, titled Digital Transformation Demystified. And Ray, in the book, you 
you got selected to write the chapter on the manifesto itself. So can you talk us through the structure, what's included in the manifesto, and then let's dive into these eight tenets we've been talking about. Sure. The, uh, the manifesto starts off with a little bit of a preamble, kind of a why are we doing this and what's the background. We go, and go to the eight tenets, and then after the eight tenets, we've got, uh, I think, what we call Appendix A, which is really just a, um, a little bit more of description or a definition around each of those, why those tenets matter, what's, what was important on each of them. Uh, we started working on a section then, even of going towards metrics, but decided that's a point where we really need to step back. And uh, that's one of the things that the committee, the working group that Hans is going to be leading up uh, going forward is going to be looking at is looking at the metrics. How do we measure our progress, our success in this area? But as I mentioned, uh, after the preamble, we have the eight tenets. So let me just quickly run through those. And, and these tenets aren't in any particular order. Uh, so the, don't, uh, don't get hung up from that standpoint on them. First one we had was we proactively embrace change. Uh, I think that's one of the key things that's really uh, a change in the culture around us because of the digital age we live in. Change is happening so fast, uh, so rapidly now. If you look at the how quickly um, technology is being adopted, if you look at how quickly technology changes, change is happening all the time. You can't uh, find a stable point and then just sit there at that point of stability and rest on it for three or four years before you make another change. Things are happening much too quickly. The second one we had was we have the agility to pivot quickly. Now that's related to change, but what that gets at a different aspect of it. It's one thing to say that uh, change is happening and we're embracing it. It's another thing to say we actually are training ourselves, preparing ourselves to make those changes, to rapidly pivot. Uh, we want to be able to scale up, scale down, go left, go right, make whatever change needs to happen. And we actually make that a core competency about the, the pivoting quickly to take advantage of new opportunities to serve new customers. The third one was we create purpose-based value. And of course, companies have always said, sure, we create value. We're trying to get value for our customers. When we're saying purpose-based value, we're really though saying that we're aligning everything in our organization around that value. It's less now about having big buildings and big infrastructure and capital equipment and all that. Instead, it's how are we delivering value and ensuring that we're delivering purpose-based value, uh, that, that we're achieving the objectives, achieving the goals that we're trying to, to achieve with it. And the in digital, we, we can streamline so much. We can outsource things. We can use platforms so that we really can focus and hone in on our value. We don't have to carry a lot of baggage and overhead to get things done. The uh, fourth one was the customer and stakeholder experience is at our core. And to me, the key word on that, at least for, from my standpoint, the key word on that was experience. Uh, it's no longer just a transaction. Uh, it's no longer we provided a product or a service but we're now providing a relationship and an experience uh, all the way from the initial inquiry, looking for information, whether doing a search or talking with someone, going through the transaction process of acquiring the goods or services, and then uh, including the, the payment and the, the delivery and then the ongoing service and support and the network uh, or uh, whatever user group, whatever goes with it, all that is part of the experience. And we're really selling experience now more than transaction. Again, that's a shift in your whole mindset about how you approach your business when we're selling experiences, not transactions. 
Fifth one was our decisions are driven by data. Now, again, companies will say, well, we've always wanted to use data. We've always used data. Well, actually, most of the time, we're making our decisions based on our gut feel, based on our experience, based upon the, the wisdom that we gained for the, the years that we had worked in the industry or the company prior to that. And that's because we usually did not have real-time data at our fingertips when it was time for the decision. We had to relate back to some similar experience and then make a decision based on that. Well, now, because of digital, we have access to real-time data, and it could be anywhere in the organization, anywhere in the world, we can get that access to real-time data. And that's probably good because our gut may no longer be valid. Things are changing so fast. We're mm -hmm. pivoting so quickly. It's better that we're now using data to make those decisions. The sixth one was we are reimagining business strategies and practices. And this, again, is, is coming back and saying, we don't have to do things the way we've done them in the past. We're reimagining. We're doing things differently. We're approaching our customers differently. We're approaching our stakeholders. We're approaching our internal processes differently through the use of platforms and systems. We now are taking much more of a systems view instead of a transaction view or a functional view. We're really looking at things in a very different manner. And in doing that, we're finding new opportunities, new business models, new practices, new ways to add value. The next one was our culture is one of empowering individual leadership. And of course, leadership is one that companies have had as part of their mission or vision for years. And we're all in favor of, of developing leadership. I've been through leadership training off and on for 40 years. But what's different now in the digital transformation world is because we are moving so rapidly, making decisions uh, with data at the edges, and that's the key, is things happen so fast now, we can't filter information up to the top, let them chew on it, and then the decision rolls back down, which may take weeks or months. Decisions are being made real time at the edges, right at the point of contact, and that means that we need leaders right there in the edges, not just leaders at the top of the organization, leaders everywhere in the organization, empowered to make the decisions. They have the information and we give them the, the training, the skills, the framework so that they can make those, uh, those leadership decisions on the spot. And we don't have to worry about second guessing or following up. We can trust our, our on, the, on the frontline leaders. The last one was ethics are integral to our organization. And again, people have said, well, ethics have always been part of our, our, uh, our values, our goals, our, our uh, corporate objectives. Where things are different in the digital world is because of the, the interconnectedness and the uh, easy availability and access of data. Um, your ethics are now going to be visible to everybody. Not what you say your ethics are, but what you actually do. You can't say one thing and do another. It'll, be, uh, it'll, it'll come out very quickly. It'll come out and uh, likely go viral when it does about this company said one thing, they did something different. And not only is it coming out with the customers, it also is with respect to your employees. Our employee base now, because of so many businesses being able to operate in a virtual mode, or at least with some virtual employees, we can have employees around the world. An employee can work for anybody around the world, which means if you say one thing and you do something different and your employees say, I don't believe them. They, my, my boss said one thing, they do something else, I'm out of here. And they can have a new job tomorrow with a company around the world, but one that actually lives to the integrity, lives to the, the, the values and the morals that they, uh, that they stand for. And so these together 
again, a lot of these, on the one hand, they say that doesn't sound all that different. But what's happened that, that's different is that the digital is transforming their importance and really fundamentally changing how we even address some of these basic tenets. So I, I blabbed there for a few minutes, but uh, I'll let um, Jessica jump in and, and uh, add a little bit more on any of these and, and highlight some that she thinks are important with us. Well, I think they're all important, Ray, and thank you for doing that. I, I love the way you describe all of that. Um, I think, I think, I, I agree with you. I, I believe people will will read these or hear this and say, "Well, we've been doing that all along," but I think, I think it's rethinking how you're considering those elements, so those tenants as an element in your program. So I think what I've seen is it's always, you know, we, we, we're kind of separating things. We're, we're going at it much more tactically than we should be doing. I think that's how we've handled this to date, where, yeah, we're going to put in digital systems. So we're going to put in these technologies and the focus is just, you know, implementing the program of, of that technology. And um, that's not what we're talking about. The technology, yes, we have we need these wonderful solutions to help support and enable um, the goals that we are after. But all of the tenants, if you look at them carefully and you think about not just what they say, but how would you how would you integrate that in the plans that you are making to transform? And where where can you in in your you know project plan, if you will, where can you show that you've got a program around doing things like customer at the core or empowering leadership across your organization or um, uh, really making sure that the purpose is kind of showing purpose of your organization is it's kind of fed and showing in to um, the activities that you're doing. So mm -hmm. thinking about not just what it says on paper, but thinking about how you would actually weave that into the program that you build. I think that's a key element of this. I had, I had this visual of uh, our listeners being on a treadmill, listening to our podcast and, and trying to write down while they're on the treadmill, the, the, the eight tenants. Um, I want to, I want to assure you, uh, assure our listeners that we're going to have a link in the show notes to the manifesto, as well as uh, ways that you can get involved in, uh, in making this uh, an even more robust product. Before we before we dig into how do you see people using this, I want to put you both on the spot for a minute, and I want to dig into uh, um, a couple of the the tenants. And Jessica, I'm going to start with you on the customer experience tenant. I I know that customer experience is near and dear to your heart. It's in the name of your company, right? JCX. That's right. So so Jessica, my question for you is. For organizations that are thinking about transformation and trying to put the customer first and center, where do they start thinking about the customer and where does that experience end? Well, I would say you should always be thinking about the customer and the whole life cycle of whatever it is you're doing, whether it's a service or a product, right? So you think you're going to develop something and sell it into an audience if you're not looking at it from their perspective right at that point. So, you know, it, it can't just be you've got this great innovation and idea you think is the best thing. It may be, but you've got to kind of think about it with, with through the lens of someone else, right, who's going to actually... Um, use your service or product. And I find that, to be honest with you, I find that something um, at least technologists have a hard time doing. They say they do it and and um, they think they know the answers of, of who they're delivering to. 
Um, but but I would argue that in a lot of cases, this anecdotal assumption is wrong. And if you really talk to the individuals that are receiving your services, they they're going to tell you things you were not expecting. And I yeah. and so so my my perception of all of this is if you can't get out of your own mind and thought process and what you think is right and think about it from somebody else's view. So you need some empathy here to really understand what somebody else is thinking and, and put that behind your product development, how you deliver it, how you market it. Um, every touch point along the way. Um, you know, I, I love, I love to say, you know, you, you can't think about um, just the, the people in your company that directly touch the customer. You've got to think about the experience that all of your organization brings. And I think billing's a perfect example because everyone feels like, okay, accounting, they're in the back room, right? They're, they're no one, they, they don't touch the customer at all. Well, that's so wrong because at some point you are sending someone a bill or they are paying you in some way. So, so the, the folks that are responsible for accounting probably have a lot of good insights that might be helpful if blended with the customer perspective. And so it's those kinds of conversations that I think an organization needs to consider and it should sort of fit fit into the whole process of how do you take these tenants and turn it into something that's usable. Excellent. Thank, thanks for those, those insights on that, Jessica. I, I, I knew just from our prior conversations that this is, this is something that is uh, very central to you and the work that you've done throughout your career. So I appreciate that. Ray, I want to jump to you. So we've, we've got this digital transformation manifesto it, it's now out in the wild, so to speak. For our listeners who are predominantly IT practitioners, uh, mostly in the corporate IT world, um, but also definitely in the tech product and service sector as well, how do you envision them using the manifesto? I'll, I'll go ahead and start, and then I'll let Jessica add to this. Um, I, I view this as they should be looking at re recognizing that these tenets, the eight tenets we mentioned, are really more about strategy and organizational development. They're not about a particular technology. We're not looking at uh, um, you know which which platform you're going to be on or which technology you're using and uh, how many sensors you have. That that's not the message here. The message is your organizational development, your organizational alignment, and the business strategy that goes with that. So what I would suggest is you take each of those and you ask yourself the question, you do your own gap analysis, um, have, uh, are, are we uh, exemplifying that particular tenant yet? Uh, and it's not enough to look at what's our lip service. It's uh, when, when I say are we exemplifying it, give me three illustrations. Show me three places where you've actually done this. And if you can't, then you need to do some work in that area. Yeah, I would add to that too. Um, I agree, Ray. This is really kind of fits in the strategic thinking part of, of um, developing your digital transformation initiative and the roadmap for kind of getting you there. And I think that um, I'll share this. Some of the feedback that we've gotten along the way is people say, wow, this is a lot about culture. I'm like, yeah. It is a lot about culture. So if you don't have a program around how you're going to um, really support your culture in you know, adapting to these tenants, then then you're missing a big component of that. And again, and I, I know I said this earlier, so I'm sort of repeating myself, but 
I view this as you've got to be intentional and programmatic about it. And, and, and I think, um, one of the things that uh, came up uh, on our, our launch, and I'll say it here because I think it's important, that you've got to take the employees along for the ride in doing your transformation and in thinking about how to implement the tenants within your program. So the employees are a part of this too. So how does all of this affect them and what kind of insights might they have that could be helpful or objections that they might have in actually carrying it out. You should know that because you're going to need, uh, you know, as a leader kind of pushing through the program, you're going to need to be able to adapt and adjust to all of those kind of obstacles along the way. So make the employees a part of it. Think of it, yeah, it is part of a cultural change. That's another layer within this. And um, get get yourself some, some thought around how you can turn that into something that's actionable, not just aspirational. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, it, uh, you and I, we have talked about uh, status quo, and we're all about action here on status quo. Uh, like like Jessica's company name, uh, st- it's in our name too, status quo, right? Um, and uh, uh, so I, I want to leave our listeners with one or two actions that they can go out and 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 do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today. Uh, So Ray, I'm going to start with you. What are one or two things you can suggest uh, to our listeners? Well, I would take, uh, take a tenant and, and ask yourself, looking in your organization, can I find three places that illustrates the application of that tenant that's happened within the last few months? And if you can't, then that tells you that's a place I need to make a change. Uh, Which tenant you start with doesn't really matter. They all need to be there. Uh, but I would say if I can't find three obvious illustrations of doing what that says, then we need to work in that area. Yeah. And I would say, you know, as I mentioned before, I think just looking at it programmatically. So I, I would look at it in that sense, layered on um, how you're going to both culturally uh, ensure that your employees and your customers are kind of benefiting from these tenants as you're building your program. So I would look at it from the employee and customer lens as you're thinking about how it applies. That's probably where, if it were me going in and um, advising somebody on, on where to start, that's that's exactly where uh, I'd like like us to look. So I think that's really helpful. I, I think those are those are great action steps that our listeners can go out and, and do to get started on the journey and really no matter where they are on the journey. Uh, to assess uh, to assess that. I think that's great. I would really like to thank both of you for carving out time to talk about this. Uh, I know this has been something the Institute's been working on for a long time, and it's really exciting to see this uh, born and, and put out into the public for consumption. So thank you both very much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate the, the opportunity. It's been a great chat. I've loved it. Likewise, Jeff, thank you again for letting us be with you. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. We're going to have show notes that will provide links and contact information. We will certainly have a link for you to sign the manifesto if you're interested in doing that. Uh, There's also an opportunity there to uh, say that you want to get involved in uh, extending this with some of the examples like Ray and Jessica were talking about bringing real life examples to, to how to implement some of these, uh, these tenants. Uh, 
this is Jeff Tun for Jessica Carroll and Ray Sheen. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.